2: And Al Warren. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm
4: Springs. You are back in the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. On the other side of the world, we've got Mr. Marty. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Marty? Marty. I was thinking that, yeah. that, you know. Is that my new name? Your name should be Marty. Marty, <laughs> Marty, it is Marty.
1: Well, that is kind of a Boston name, maybe. Yeah, Boston. Yeah, Boston. Um,
4: Mr. Marty. Well, it, well, actually, um, so it was your birthday. You got lots of people saying "Happy birthday" and "Cheers" to you, and of course, not me. That's right. <laughs> I tell you, I'm sorry. I was. I was was it your birthday too? No. Yeah. No, I don't even know mm-hmm. when my birthday
1: Beatles was. song, sorry.
4: Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Yeah, and you're in the writers' finals for the uh, Hubbard thing. Yeah, I made semifinals. Well, there you so go. They sent me a certificate and all that stuff. That's, that's pretty fun. exciting, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Make your nipples hard? It did. Well, it you still are. are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really <laughs> exciting because then uh, you don't have to be a Scientologist either.
1: No, it's separate. <laughs> it's separate. <laughs> I'll just try to get me in trouble. That's what's going on. Yeah,
4: they're going to be knocking on your door. <laughs> they're coming right over. <laughs> because I give them your address. They contacted the show, and I said, yeah, Harry, he lives right here.
1: Oh, wait a minute. That's who's knocking on the door right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
4: Alan Ron Hubbard. He's back. He's back. He's back just for you.
1: Ah, oh, perfect.
4: <sighs> well, okay, so the weeks continue, and uh, today we are... Um, continuing with writers and today we've got an interesting one we used to be a doctor and now he's writing books so let's find out why um so let's welcome d marshall craig to the show thank you for being here
3: thanks al appreciate you being on uh, letting me be on your show
4: oh it's um it's really our pleasure um you know we had one other doctor here before and uh, she's never come back <laughs> <laughs> So, no, we've had a few, but I they, they really find that interesting. You, you, you had a 30-year medical career, and, um, and so you've taken that and you've kind of moved into writing, which is not always an easy jump. It's not easy for really good writers to, uh, to make a career out of it. So what, what gave you the push to go from doctor to author?
3: That's a good question. I've actually been doing it for quite a while. Uh, I originally began, after all of my surgical training, about five years into private practice. And uh, my second son at the time was born in 1995, and I used to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and feed him. And then after feeding him, I would pull out uh, ancient, it is ancient now, Dell laptop, We got to remember in the 1990s when they first had laptop computers, and would actually type from about 4.30 until 6 before I'd get ready to go to surgery, and I did that every morning. And uh, I actually wrote the first book of my series back in the late 1990s, and that's why my series, the Dr. Kyle Chandler Thriller series, is set in the 1990s. Um, About five years into my private practice, I tried to get some recognition to get... That work published, but I was so busy with my medical practice, it just kind of fell by the wayside. And then, believe it or not, it it sat on the shelf for 25 years. Um, About six and a half years ago, I retired from the busy field of surgery and medicine. And now I'm actually a full-time winemaker and vineyard manager up in a vineyard winery up in the mountains of western North Carolina. And so when I got up here after a couple of years, I dusted off that story, re-edited it to some degree, and found a publisher who loved it, and it was published back in October of 2020. Um, The thing that I have going for me is I had over 30 years in medicine with all my training and private practice, to write down about all kinds of interesting characters and unbelievable situations that I've stored up for 30 years. And now, uh, in not just one book, but my second book uh, of the Dr. Kyle Chandler series is coming out today called Hidden Agendas. And it contains a protagonist that's kind of a conglomeration of different surgeons I worked with and knew about uh, during my 30 years in medicine.
4: Wow, um, that's pretty amazing. So now, now you're up drinking wine and smoking a <laughs> pipe and writing. Wow, I, I've seen that. Uh, so, it, it, so you're really kind of taking a lot of what you lived in your life um, as a doctor and turning that into books. Like that's a very big part of the stories.
3: It is. Uh, I, you know, I try to make the plot. Uh, there's two things in my stories that I really try to emphasize. Number one, a changing, fast-moving plot. And number two, really quick, snappy dialogue between characters. Uh, and it really makes the story move along. But the different medical situations, I try to make them and explain them in a very plain manner, and they're not very, very long in the book, so that even someone who's never been exposed to the field of medicine will understand it and mainly to do this to show how complicated a trauma surgeon's life is. My protagonist, Dr. Kyle Chandler, he's a trauma surgeon in Kansas City, and he kind of, in the first book, backs into a side career of private investigation. Uh, Along the way, he meets a uh, really headstrong woman who runs her own antique business that's really successful there in Kansas City. And like a lot of relationships, they immediately cannot stand each other. Um, and that's a lot of good relationships. Of the, that's how it happens sometimes. So in this second book, he's off to uh, a conference in London, and uh, his relationship with this woman has gotten further along the line. And um, I planned it from the first to be a series of novels, not just one novel, because there was a lot of stories, and there's still a lot of stories, medical stories I want to tell. Uh, and so actually there's the third novel, that I'm finishing up on to be published probably sometime next year, and I've actually started an outline to the fourth one.
4: Do you, do you have this kind of all um, outlined in your mind or outlined on paper ahead of time? Like, do you kind of know what these books are all going to contain in general, kind of a storyline, and then you fill in the details as you do the book? Or is this totally at-lib?
3: Well, like a lot of answers to my questions is yes and no. <laughs> Uh, As a surgeon, you want to always outline what you're going to do and what you're going to plan when you go to surgery. But uh, whenever I'm thinking of a main story of a book, I'll have a main plot and then I'll make an outline. And then the way I usually, not always, write it is um, start with a really unusual, fast-paced beginning. And then I'll skip to a really surprising twisting, turning ending. And then it really kind of Uh, throws me for a loop to myself when I'm going from the beginning to the end. It never turns out exactly like I thought. Um, I will wake up sometimes in the middle of the night or even in the morning and write down or write on my phone a, a list of notes of strange things that reminded me of my surgical training or things like that, that would work really well for a thriller novel.
1: Well, I'm wondering after you know so long uh, a time in between when you came back to uh, your your first novel, did um, did you have to alter the plot because of um, uh, the, the change in 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 um technology and uh, just everything that had happened? Were, were there a lot of things that you had to kind of exercise from that? Or you know, were you just able to um, just maybe update the technology a little bit and uh, go from there?
3: Well, the part about the technology, I, I did not need to because all of my stories are set in the 1990s. And you got to remember, oh. in the 1990s, there was no Internet. There were no cell phones. Mm. My two sons can't believe I actually grew up without a (laughs) cell phone, how I actually lived and breathed. Um, And so that is set in the 1990s, and you have to kind of point that out. And I actually had to go back and do some research of when laptops first came in, when cell phones were first starting to be used, because I remember all that before that. And so the technology Mm -hmm. part wasn't so difficult. The re-editing was easier because my younger son is a – excellent journalist in los angeles and he helped me kind of reorganize the pathway of the plot to where it flowed a lot better uh and uh it seems seemed to make it in a much better cleaner overall uh order
4: now um, both books will be on their own even though they're part of a series like you could pick up the hidden agenda and read it you don't need to have read cut to the chase
3: no you're exactly correct um, you can read the second one and that's going to be the same way with the third one where you'll understand what the protagonist does his relationship with his girlfriend and understand all that you don't need to know all of the recurring characters or not uh, it's easily stand out on their own
4: and you know dr kyle chandler like that's a. Uh, a really good name. That's a, that could be a TV show. Like, oh, for us older guys, you know, we know mm. Marcus Welby and all that. It could be Kyle Chan. Yeah. You know. The problem is, yeah. a lot of
3: readers don't remember who Marcus <laughs> Welby was. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I know. I
4: was going to say, but but when I hear the name, I think, oh yeah, that could be. I could see that being a show. You know, um, well for the older ones.
3: Well, yeah. here's what's interesting. I chose that name back in the early nineties. And since then, there's been an actor, Kyle Chandler, who's on Friday Night Lights. That's his actual name. So yeah. I, I always say I chose the name before he became famous.
4: You should make him change his name. <laughs> 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 so, no, um, but I wonder, so who is Dr. Kyle Chandler? Is that you or is there a lot of you in that character?
3: Uh, that's exactly what my younger son said. Who is this? And It is not me. It is a number of different surgeons I worked with, I trained with, um, and I was not a trauma surgeon. I was a plastic reconstructive surgeon. I did a lot of trauma surgery, putting people's faces and a few other things back together for 25 years. Uh, But it's kind of a combination of different traits and stubbornness, although my younger son says the stubborn part definitely comes from you, Dad.
4: (laughs) Well, there you go. That's good. Now you know you're... You're one of your um, main characteristic points, um, but I, I wonder now um, w- with Kyle Chandler, how did how do you decide which doctors or which personalities you're going to take to combine someone like that? How do you how do you go about developing character
3: like that? Well, I started off with someone who's logical. He, uh, I'm I'm not going to give away the whole story, but he had a huge tragedy that happened. Uh, while he was during his residency, and it really, uh, his young wife died in a car wreck, and it just threw a loop for him for a number of years. And I, I had a friend of mine whose uh, spouse did die during surgical residency, and it's devastating. It's devastating any time. Um, so I threw that part into there. I also made him a lot more of a smart aleck than I am, uh, although, like I said, my younger son says a little bit of that's coming from me. Um, and he kind of softens as his character goes, and he realizes that he kind of backs into this um, private investigation gig, uh, and he likes it, and he likes it a lot, and he likes it almost as much as surgery. The problem is is his schedule is so difficult, and the woman he's dating is so difficult, it's hard for them to get on the same page sometimes. But the, the conversations between the two uh, a really quick-paced, quick dialogue, almost like um, I, I really like a lot of the things that Aaron Sorkin has done in the screenplays and television uh, scripts where the dialogue goes very, very fast and, and is very, very uh, fun to follow.
4: Do you feel like um, when someone reads this book, um, there it's going to be kind of a... Because you call it a medical thriller, and that always it 's always interesting to me, so it 's really kind of like a suspense thriller mystery centered around the medical community
3: right and and so far, the medical situations in are humorous, very unique, but really not part of the thriller plot he because he 's a, a, a newbie in this of uh, working part time for this um, uh, investigation firm. He backs into some situations that he has no business doing, and he almost gets into really big trouble several different times. Um, he seems to figure a way out of this in both of the books and including the third book, uh, but not at all like you well, from the beginning, which how, how you think it might have happened.
4: That's really interesting. And, and where did you get the um, lead female character role? Is that? After your wife or?
3: Probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, because the female characters just as much are more of a smart aleck than he is. And um, she, too, got burned uh, prior to getting just about getting married. And so she's been on edge about taking on a serious relationship. And so, like a lot of relationships, they butted heads big time in the first book. And and they, they kind of had to help each other out to get through certain things. And then the attraction starts going and becomes more so in this book, in the third book, uh, it becomes more. And then you come to the, the decisions of what do you do a year or two down the road of how the relationship furthers or not. And that's always a big hassle uh, that you have to overcome if you're going to keep a long-term relationship.
4: Yeah, plus you, you you like your wife.
3: Oh, exceedingly. She's extremely <laughs> tolerant. She's way tolerant. But she's the queen of the family. I have two grown sons and then myself. And I always said, I'm not going to have seven more children so me and the kids can have more votes than my wife.
4: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if someone picks up your book, takes it home and reads it, what is it you want them to take away from the book? Besides the story, is there some sort of a... Subtext or some sort of theme that you hope people kind of get in your writing? Yeah.
3: Um, I, I try to set it up in each book to where the protagonist is kind of like David going out the face Goliath. And um, it looks like the odds are going to be overwhelming and there's no, he has no business being in those situations. But some way, somehow, the theme of never give up always comes up and he seems to eke through at the end. And so... Uh, with the quick-paced plot and this quick dialogue, I want people to enjoy the read to where the more they read it, the, the quicker they want to turn the pages to see what's going to happen next.
4: Wow! You know, but uh, you know, when we come back to this, so you 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 wrote that first book in '95 or the the basics of right, it, and and w- what was it besides? Being drunk on wine and smoking a cigar. <laughs> well, that, well, I that didn't have any time for
3: that back then. I was going a thousand miles an hour, so that was. Ne- and you know, here's what's interesting: I'm a winemaker and a vineyard manager, and I really don't have time to drink that. I've got too much to do.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Um, yeah, I'm I'm surrounded by wine people, so I I know what you mean.
1: Well, I'm wondering, too, kind of in the same vein, what was it like coming back to writing after the absence? Was it difficult to get back in the flow, or did it just feel natural and did you just pick it right back up?
3: Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, in several interviews I've done, they've talked about writing habits and writer's block. and um, um, I I don't have writer's block, but sometimes when I sit down at the keyboard, but there's other times when I'll have ideas I've jotted down and I'll come back later and have a fresh point of view. And for some reason it kind of gets things going. A lot of the times I'll have an outline and there's five topics there. And the four that I thought I might want to write about, I have no business writing about. And the fifth one, just ideas start flowing and it just starts typing. And before I know it, two or three hours have gone by. And so, um, that doesn't mean everything all right it stays by any means because once you start putting it together a lot of stuff gets cut out and realizes that's not going to help out in the plot and so but um, i I do like to be away from other people but uh, when I'm doing this but a lot of times there'll be noises going on in the background and I really can't even hear them
4: right right well yeah and you probably take the same. Uh, work structure that you had as a surgeon for 30 years and put it towards writing.
3: I I do. The the one thing that writing has done, particularly over the last couple of years, since uh, I do it more and more each week, is um, my thought structure for 30 years in medicine, it's pretty well set where you have a problem and you're trying to get to a solution to the problem. And you need to have multiple alternative methods to get to the solution. Here in writing, um, there's a whole lot less constriction, and things that you think may not contribute to it may be a wonderful way of taking a different viewpoint of it. So it's really opened up kind of how I express myself rather than within a confined structure as I did in medicine for 30 years. You know, when you
4: finish um, doing one of these books um, and it's all done and it gets published, um Do you you look back and see a change in yourself after going through the the process?
3: Uh, I do. Um, I realize, you know, you can always get better, and just like any other thing or semi-perfectionist, oh, I could have done that a little better, or maybe if I had changed this. But once after I spend about three months hassling with the (laughs) editors, which are wonderful at my publishing house, we have a series of three editors we go through, and so – you start fighting news and tooth and nail back and forth of what you think it just needs to stay in and, and get out. Uh, once it gets finished, it gets finished, and I actually just move on to the next one. I really do.
4: Yeah. No, editors
3: are awful. I kill them <laughs> off all the time. <laughs> Come on. Well, you yeah, know, th- <laughs> here's the thing too. Uh, my dialogue I don't put in complete English complete sentences. That's not the way people talk. People talk in phrases. And do start a lot of sentences with but and 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 that drives editors nuts. But when you and I are just talking, there's short, choppy ideas, not complete sentences with punctuation and the like. And so when there's a quick pace back and forth dialogue, it is going to be choppy, but it really makes the overall scene flow.
4: Yeah, it makes sense. Um, do you do? At this point of time, um, political correctness and stuff. Do you worry about how the dialogue goes between the people? Because you're writing in the '90s, so things were a little bit looser in that sort of term, right? People could were freer with words that say, and and there was less backlash than there is today. So, do you do you have, do you concern yourself on how you have your um, characters talk to each other?
3: I you know I try not. To purposely get into some difficult political situations. I try to keep the plot going so fast, there's really no time for prejudice against any kind of minority or anything like that. Uh, there's not tons of overt violence, sex, or whatever in my books. I'm trying to keep the interest on the characters and the place and the plot. Uh, although, You know, each of these characters are very witty and very much making fun of each other to the point um, to where it does keep the dialogue quick. But, yes, I do have to go back and think, now, is this how we did it in the 1990s?
4: Right. Yeah, because there is a slight difference. Um, Oh, yeah. You know, I think think it seemed, for me, it seemed a little bit happier in the 90s, but maybe that's just you know, old age and I'm slipping away, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but it just, it seemed a little bit happier. But, um, so with medical thriller and, and again, you know, with this current climate with, um, people that kind of are, you know, like the the doctors and the media are the enemies, (laughs) you know, there's that kind of taint out there a little bit, um, does that sort of ever put you on guard, or do you ever worry about that? A little
3: bit, but the story is usually on the thriller aspect of it and how he's doing his job as a doctor and trying to help people out, but then slip away to do the private investigation part. And so there's less emphasis on the technical medical aspects of it, although it is all correct in um, and. and none of the procedures or anything like that are fabricated or anything of that sort it is more emphasis on the thriller component part and as the story progresses how Kyle Chandler is going to get out of the difficult situations he's put himself into
4: yeah so did you always want to be a private investigator yourself
3: I didn't but I always did like suspense thriller murder mystery novels of sorts uh, I like the ones that, the way I'm trying to do it, it, it's not always easy, but that turn out a lot different than you thought they were going to.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's that's the most interesting ones anyway, you know. Um, I wonder, so where do you think you're going to go with this now? You've got your second one out now. You said you've got your third one in the works and stuff. So is this something you think you'll be doing now? for a while
3: uh i'm still doing on the side um i I am a full-time winemaker and vineyard manager and since covid came out in march 2020 our winery is just going a thousand miles an hour with everyone coming to the winery now and so i can't do that forever forever it is a very physical job I, i do have people help me with the physicality part of it but uh, I do want to keep writing in this series until I feel like it's probably gone its way and, and that's it. But I do have a lot of stories written down that I experienced or heard about during my medical training that I still want to put into words um, and do it in a form like this to where you mix it with a suspense thriller. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thing to read.
4: So everyone's going to the winery. Everyone's getting drunk. There's a lot of people from Florida
3: that come up here, and they used to come and visit. Now I think half of Florida has moved up to North Carolina.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they can't, they can't, they can't wait that long to get the wine. It's it's yeah. been
3: out of control, like I said, since March of 2020.
4: Well, yeah, it's crazy. Did did, did COVID itself, when all of the um, peak time and everything hit and stuff. Did that sort of affect your writing as well? Like do you sort of find that the stressful things going on like that um, around you sort of interferes with some of your writing? It
3: really didn't interfere with the writing aspects. It put a huge kink in my first novel's promotion because by October of 2020 when it came out, Cut to the Chase, um, all the bookstores locally and also statewide in North Carolina had closed down. You couldn't even go in them to buy a book. And so for promotion, other than online, that was about it. Um, and so now at this time, it really hasn't changed, nor did it really change my writing. Um, as my younger son, who's a journalist, says, um, well, it's going to be okay for you, Dad, because it's a whole lot cheaper than psychotherapy. And he's right about that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'll say, you know. Um or it's it's, it's, an, it's an interesting time right now, so it's uh, can affect things. So, well, I was inter- Who do you find your um, favorite writers were? Um,
3: I believe it or not, read a lot of different. I, I do like suspense, thriller, and mystery novels, no doubt about it. But I I read biographies, I read nonfiction, historical fiction, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, the suspense thriller. Authors, probably. I like the Gabriel Alon series by Daniel Silva. Um, I like most, not all, of John Grisham's work. Robert Ludlum, of course. Tom Clancy's very technical, but I still like that. And then one from the 60s and 70s, or Steeplechase Chase, Horse uh, Mysteries, or Dick Francis. That's a long time ago, but th- those are all interesting to me. It
4: is. Uh, do, it's, do, do you ever watch any of them on the Netflix or any of the old series or anything? Like not that as much.
3: I, I would like to. We watched some, but not tons. I will say like the rest of America, we've watched more during COVID than we ever have cumulatively up to that point. But uh, I've always liked the book part of it, and it drives my wife nuts when I get a really good book because she can read a book in about a day, and the two days later she can't remember what it was. When I start reading a really good book and you find one that's really good, I start going slower, and it just drives you nuts. Mm. Uh, but six months later, I can still tell you the plot, the characters, halfway through what happened. I mean, when I find a really good book, that's, that's one I want to latch on.
1: I feel the same way. I, I have the same thing happen. I, I slow down, especially if I, if I really enjoy the book. But I, I was wondering, can you um, read other people's uh, work while you're uh, writing or is that something that has to be separate? Sometimes we have writers who just can't read or they can't read within the same genre.
3: Um, I, I do uh, but I, I will read some other ones the problem that I'm starting to have now is, is I'll read and it's like god I wouldn't have put that there and, and so I get a little bit critical but, I, but there are ones that I'll read particularly a fiction uh, a, a novel like wow that was a neat idea I, I wish I could have thought of that. So I do look at it, look at it a little more outside, critically than I did in the past.
4: Now, this this might sound like a weird question, but
3: well, they all do. It, but, trust me, um, I've had patients for thirty years with weird questions. So this is going to be yeah, weird. I've got I'll, a
4: pain. I'm sure <laughs> I've got a pain, or you know, no. Because um, we we talk to a lot of fiction writers as well as nonfiction, but in the fiction writers. People talk about their characters, and they talk about it like relationships. A lot of them will say, well, my characters are like my children or like whatever family, uh, and they hear the voices in the head and, the, you know, the whole works. We hear all this stuff. In in the true crime world where I'm from, that's completely nutball. But um, But I'm curious, what are your relationships with your characters, or do you have one?
3: Well, that's an interesting question. I'm glad you asked because one of the things – that I was asked to do this time around is for me to interview my leading protect and I did it kind of the same way his girlfriend does butting heads with him not agreeing with him and saying oh you're so great and so it's an interesting thing that I did and it kind of made me proud that you know we're not the same I don't agree with everything you do but I understand and so I uh, I actually did have that published on social media, and it was kind of a unique thing for me to read to see that I'm interviewing my own lead protagonist in this series.
1: <laughs> That's interesting, psychotherapy. Yeah,
3: have,
1: psychotherapy. Like, like my son exactly.
3: said, it's a whole lot cheaper than that.
1: <laughs> it absolutely is. Have, uh, I'm, I'm wondering, in the question you're writing, uh, has any of your characters done anything to surprise you? Have they kind of gone off the rails and maybe rebelled against the plot?
3: I've, I've had a couple do some things that you wouldn't think they would have. Um, some good, some of them not good. Um, and the way I'm writing this, there will be a couple of recurring characters, but each novel there will be some new characters. And so I'm, I'm not making it the same thing each time. Uh, what I'm trying to do is to weave new characters in, with reference to older characters, just some some degree to give the story familiarity. Uh, but yes, I've had some characters that were good in one book and not so good in the next. Hmm.
4: Yeah. I, I, so how do you like social media, or do you? Do you like to interact with, uh, with
3: I, readers? I do. People? I don't mind it. Um, you know, during my years in medicine, I basically did not have time for it. There's just... It's no way it's going to happen. But I do like interacting with it to some degree. Do, do I sit there and check my phone all the time? No. And, uh, I, you know, I get to it a couple of times a day and, and do the best that I can on it, but for it to control what opinions of other people are of me or my characters, or whatever, I, I realize it's just one component of, of the whole structure there.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It, it certainly is. You've got to watch what you do and stuff. Um, um, so how do people get a hold of you, or how do you like people to get a hold of you? Is it social media, or do you, like, do you have a website? Both, uh, yes,
3: my website is dmarshall, with two L's, Craig, C-R-A-I-G, books.com. So it's dmarshallcraigbooks.com. And it'll tell about me. It'll tell about my previous career in medicine and now as a winemaker and a writer. Um, and then it'll give a number of different references to people who have read my books and the like. One uh, humorous article that was on for a while, I don't don't know if it still is on, is, as I told you, my uh, younger son is a journalist in Los Angeles. And um, I never told him all the time he was growing up that 25 years ago I wrote a book. And so I come up to North Carolina and in 2019 revised this book. And he's talking to his mom on the phone one day. He was living in Chicago. And uh, his mom goes, yeah, well, my dad, your dad's going to send you a copy of his, uh, of his book online. And he wants you to review it. He goes, what book? What are you talking about? And so he said, oh, well, I didn't tell you 25 years ago. Your dad wrote a, a thriller novel. And he's a <laughs> journalist, and he went through, he got a uh, master's in journalism <laughs> at Northwestern. And so I had never told him, and he was just astonished. And <laughs> he couldn't, so I sent it to him, and he did a great job editing of it. Uh, of that sorts. Back to how you can get a hold of me on uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's uh, at um, D Marshall Craig Books.
4: Of course, and we'll have that up on our website so people can find you with one click. You bet. You and know, then the way of the world. yeah to
3: purchase the books. There's links on my website to all different kind of retail sites where you can purchase the book.
4: Yeah, and we'll have that up too. In so you know, do doctors make bad patients? That's what I hear.
3: Oh, doctors are the worst. (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. And then I'm not going to stick up for my gender. Um, For the most part, first off, you never say always and you never say never because those will come back and get you. But for the most part, uh, men are worse, way worse patients than women. Women, when they decide they want to do something or have something done, there can be two earthquakes, a tsunami, a hurricane, and Three tornadoes and it's not going to stop them. And men, they'll waffle and waver. And I've caught myself doing the same thing. But yeah, I would say by far women are much more compliant patients. Yeah. Right.
4: So you should have had a woman doctor as your lead character.
3: Well, I, let's just say with personal <laughs> experience, I had a, a lot more experience being a man. I guess that's probably true. (laughs) Well, you know, what they say, uh, the best advice I've been given is write what you know, and that's what I know.
4: Well, there you go. You hear it here first. Well, um, it's been a great conversation. Uh, The book we are talking about is called Hidden Agendas, and it's a Kyle Chandler, a Dr. Kyle Chandler, thriller book two. And uh, the guest is the author, D. Marshall Craig. Thanks for being here.
3: Al, David, I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me be on the show. Thank you. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com.
2: Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me?
0: Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.
2: Let's get this dinner party started.
0: You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com.
2: Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well,
0: yeah. Good night.